There's still one manoeuvre. It won't work if you guys caught. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> you guys, it was in the show notes. It was funny then. It's still funny. The idea of putting these jokes in the show notes is so you don't snort at the point where but I read them out. I just, lose I, just I just fucking love, I had not, right, hmm. Hello everyone, this is just to let you know that we will be recording a live episode at Confusion, which will be on Monday at 11am, we think. So look out for us on the programme, and we will see you at EasterCon. Now, on to the episode. Hello everyone and welcome to the 28th episode of Octothought, the podcast for science fiction and science fiction fandom. This episode is coming out on the 1st of April, which is both April Fool's Day and Monday Thursday. I'm John Coxon. I'm Alison Scott. And I'm Liz Batty. And as you are listening to this, you are either excited for EasterCon or listening to this instead of EasterCon or you have already been to EasterCon. One of those. Or you don't care at all about EasterCon, that's also an option. But if you don't care about EasterCon, this may not be the perfect podcast. Why are you listening to this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> if we have listeners who, who, who don't care about EasterCon, then I respect that. Write in. Anyway, we have some letters of comment on the subject of writing in. And the first letter of comment is from Claire Briley of Croydon, the lovely and wise... Locker from the southwest of London, or Surrey, as it's also known. The lovely and tolerant Claire Riley, since I believe she has not written to us to complain too much about the joke in the last episode. She says, Scenes we seldom see. I don't like having to do these things at the last minute, says Alison. Right, um, Claire has written us some poetry. Yes, she has. You don't read out letters, prolific or long, unless they are from Chris Garcia. And that's fair enough, since it's patently wrong to pass up a rhyme for Mozilla. There's still one manoeuvre that often succeeds, but really I know when I'm beat. With Chris now fulfilling your poetry needs, I'm totally obsolete. Thank you very much, uh, Claire. Uh, I'd like to apologise to Claire on behalf of the Octothor podcast for Alison. Uh, <laughs> that was very funny. That was very good. Now, Claire does also say seven letters of comment is not a record. A record is a round black thing with a hole in the middle. And I thought a round black thing with a hole in the middle was a bowling ball. So um, clearly I need to adjust my mental model. Yeah, I think a, a, a round black thing with a hole in the middle may no longer be a record, Claire. I think that some old jokes reach the end of their life expectancy and that might be one of them. I believe a round black thing with a hole in the middle is a vinyl. Hmm. I have vinyl in my kitchen. <laughs> Thank you for that, job. I wonder whether Octothorpe made any sense to Jerry Sullivan in reverse order. It certainly provides for some significant foreshadowing. Perhaps you could set J Chris Garcia onto listening to episodes actually in reverse and thus decoding your dark hidden messages. Wait a bit. More. John. Send. <laughs> I am safe from Jerry sending me more Weetabix because Jerry would have to get Claire to send her the Weetabix in order to then send it to me. And that would be that would be silly. Claire also writes, uh, crossing the streams with Lulzine, um, she began to think about what other comedy trios we could work in. Um, 
and she mentions there's one obvious possibility uh with a very enthusiastic younger character and older character swearing a chat about drink um but i don't understand that reference so what are you going to have to explain it to me you don't understand the reference to liz having octothorpe money just resting in her account i don't think so okay john we'll sit you down and tell you later oh it's a it's a father ted joke right it's a very good joke oh i've never i've never watched father ted and I still haven't seen Father Ted. And, and it's a problem because I feel like um, it's now problematic. So I'm not sure I'm ever going to ca- catch up. Yeah, it may be too late to catch up, but it is a good joke. Although it does make me Father Ted. Listeners who are interested in our thoughts about Father Ted can listen to the episode in which we talked about <laughs> it, which we haven't released yet. So if you could just like <laughs> hack into my iCloud account and get the MP3, you can find out all about it there. But she does also says, if if Liz is the Eeyore of Eastercon, then does that make Alison and John Pooh and Piglet or Rabbit and Tigger? Or no, of course, Kanga and Roo. And I'm not sure that I am the Roo to Alison's Kanga. I think I am much more a Tigger character. Well, I think I'm a much more a Tigger character, so we could have some kind of Tigger off, really. <laughs> and you've heard it here. That will be the other opening ceremony at Punctuation 2, will be me and Alison's Tigger off. <laughs> I would also like to inform Claire that I do remember Rent-A-Ghost, but only vaguely. I do, I do not. But I do own some vinyl. I do not. I do not. Uh, is it true that the youngest member <laughs> of the podcast is the only one that owns any vinyl? Actually, I do own, a, I, I do own, a, own some vinyl. I have a 12-inch of The Circle and the Square by Redbox, um, a kind of picture disc, and I have it framed on my wall. Ah, and for younger listeners, that's 30 centimetres. <laughs> they sold 30 centimetre or 22 and a half, or whatever it is, 17 and a half centimetre records. <laughs> that's not how it works. <laughs> I mean, um, so Chris Garcia also wrote to us uh, saying, anywho, my audio multitasking is all out loud, as long as they're all from different sources. If I've got a single source of sound, like everything off of a single laptop, it gets muddled, shockingly. <laughs> I usually have a phone, two laptops, a Bluetooth speaker, and a pair of children. This, in fact, drives my wife crazy. Your wife is a saint, Chris. Um, I think we knew that, actually. <laughs> uh, mm. And... Uh, He's also So he's listening to Octothorpe, composing a theme song for his new podcast on one laptop, writing an article on the other and filtering spreadsheets and drinking coffee. I mean, and if, if drinking coffee counts as multitasking, I am great at multitasking. So, yes, top multitasker. He said multitasking. He also mentions that if we do an Octothorpe live, which we are in fact doing, foreshadowing for later in the podcast, we must include a live dancing section. And and I have to say... Yes, and we categorically disagree. You're very welcome to come to the live podcast, but you will be disappointed if that's your expectation. Unless he's offering to do live dancing at the recording for us, in which case, you're on, we'll see you there. <laughs> yeah. Andrew also wrote to us saying, oh God, if you publish this letter, take the serial killer comment out. We will do, Ange, don't worry. And Mark Plummer wrote to us to say that he wasn't sure yesterday why he's only just got around to Octothorpe 27, probably because he's just too damn busy playing Arkham Horror, he imagines. Um, and he agrees with us. So um, thanks, Mark. Glad you agreed with the things we said. Uh, 
as you are listening to this listener it is no more than one day from the start of confusion the 2021 easter con and we are excited and we hope to see lots of you there um so alison is running a fan fund auction so do you want to plug the fan fund auction alison I do. The Fan Fund Auction will sell things for the Fan Funds. Um, They are things that have been donated by people who support the Fan Funds, which hopefully includes lots of you. And there's probably still time to donate things if you haven't quite. So if you want to donate anything, get in touch at gufeurope at gmail.com and we will put a slightly disguised version of that in the show notes. But that's the guff email address and that is me. We are going to be at 7 to 9 p.m. on Sunday, which is that's going to be like in the stupid hours of the morning if you're in Australia or New Zealand or Thailand. Um, If you're in New Zealand, it's getting on to be okay. actually, I think Um, it's mid afternoon if you're on the east coast of the United States and late morning if you're on the west coast and you would all be very welcome. Um, So. We have a kind of circular arrangement where you donate things and then you bid on other things. And in this way, the fan funds acquire money and we would love for you all to come along and support it. We're just working out the um, details of how we're going to do it with the convention because we know how we do it in Zoom, but we don't quite know how we're going to do it on the Eastercons platform. But we will. It will be fine. We're going to have some unique things like some unique dice from James Shields and we're definitely going to have one of Esther Shawls and Dave Langford has donated some stuff and we have many other interesting things and do come along and bid. And I will be bidding on the unique dice so just get ready for a competition anyone listening who thinks they sound cool. Oh I might go to James Shields and do say oh could we have something from Arkham Horror on one of these things and they will be up for 200 quid from John Coxon. <laughs> I've already got enough Arkham Horror dice, Alison, because they sell official. Anyway, that's off topic. Um, but, but do you have an Arkham Horror dice that has Arkham Horror logos and also a coronavirus? No, but I do have too many dice. I have over 50 six-sided dice, which are from various promotional sources. So um, it could be argued I have enough. No, OK, you're not being clear enough on the podcast because I could have sworn I heard you say you had too many dice. Yeah, I I mean, I think inarguably, I did downsize my dice recently. I got rid of all of the boring dice. Um, But there are some aspects in which I don't have enough dice. I've only got two D7s. And it's like if you play a D7-based role-playing game, two is not going to be enough. You need at least five. If you play a D7-based role-playing game, then, you know, you have bigger problems than anything I can help with. You're, You're deep in the rabbit hole. Couldn't you just use D8s and ignore the eight? Steady on, Liz. If it comes up. That is that is what we call in the tabletop gaming world quitter talk. Okay, well, one of the nice things about dice is that they don't take up very much space. I mean, you have to have really a remarkable number of dice before your dice <laughs> collection is anything like as much trouble as, say, your Beeble Bear collection or your collection of antique helmets or your Weetabix collection. What I like about this is that I'm going to need to write a jingle at some point for Octothorpe Gaming Corner. Sorry, Mark. Um, the other thing that's going to be bid uh, put up for auction at the Fan Fund Auction is make the Octothorpe cast say whatever you want as long as it's under a minute long and we get a veto on grounds of taste, offensiveness and legality. So... Yes, you better not play, say piss, motherfucker, motherfucker, cocksucker or tits. <laughs> I think tits is fine. 
Well, those are the... Yeah, okay. So if you don't aren't already familiar with George Carlin's seminal um, comedy routine, The Seven Words You Can't Tell on Television, you should, you should go and... You should go and look at it. But I mean, I think fundamentally, those are the words you can't say on um, Apple Podcasts, except possibly tits. Tits, 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 blue tits, cold tits, great tits. And oh, my God, if is a tit. Um. <laughs> it's just going to be a big string of beeps, basically. Uh, but if you've ever wanted to make Alison say that uh, Windows is better than Mac OS or wanted to make me say, actually, I don't really like Arkham Horror all that much or make Liz say that beaches are rubbish, then now you have the opportunity to do that. And we will sound like we mean it. We can be very committed. And if you give us, if you give the fan funds an extra 50 quid on top of what you've bid, we will actually mean it. I, I will change <laughs> my mind for that that minute long segment. Oh, but only for the minute. Only for the minute. I'll change it right back again. But for that minute, you'll know that I really believed it. Method lying. Um, this reminds me very much of Ian's Patreon. Uh, I signed up to Ian's Patreon along with Andrew January, and in return, Ian respected us for a month. Um, right, we will be doing a live podcast at Confusion, um, which is at 10 o'clock in the morning on Easter Monday. And which will include the winning one-minute read. Ah, you don't just know that we will do it. You will actually be able to hear us do it. If we have to record it three or four times to avoid laughing, then you'll get to hear that. Yes, yes, you will. Um, it's four p four p.m. for our Thai co-hosts and listeners. Um, it will be, uh, I would guess, late afternoon, early evening for Australian, New Zealand people. And if you're in the states, uh, you're probably not going to come. So no, apologies, Chris Garcia. It's midnight. You'll be fine. You'll be absolutely fine. No, it's not. It's 2 a.m. No, it's not. 2 a.m. You'll be absolutely fine. Jerry, it'll be 5 a.m. Just stay up a bit too late. Yes, do that. Okay. Um, And uh, we, I think, are on for an hour. Um, And that, if you can't attend, will be the episode that comes out after this one. Uh, so don't worry. You'll hear it at some point. All three of us have volunteered for EasterCon. Alison and I are volunteering on a newsletter, um, which will be called Happy Days and um, has some fantastic artwork. That's D-A-Z-E. Yes, it's a sort of pun, you see. And Liz is working on program ops because she knows about programs and ops. Is that how program ops works, Liz? Yeah, I don't really know how it's going to work yet because most of the things program ops does is generally hanging about in the green room, fixing problems as they arise, and occasionally wandering around the con looking for people or, you know, making last-minute changes by wandering around looking for people or by carrying a radio in case there's any emergencies. Um, and I guess most of this is going to be replaced by occasionally checking into a Gather Town channel somewhere. Do they even have channels? Anyway, so I don't know how it's going to work. No, no, Gather Town's a space. Yeah, I presume we'll have like a space or something, but... I haven't actually got into the details and this is partly because they're going to have to run a special uh, session to teach me how to do it because I can't make any of the regular ones because they're in the evening UK time and I'm in bed. So I am a pain. Yeah, I think that will be fun. You you need to keep an eye out for the newsletter, which we will distribute all over the gather and all over the Smeeds um, for the convention. This is the point where Liz says, what are Smeeds? What are Smeeds, Alison? Smeeds is short for social media feeds. And I, I thought it was a terribly useful and funny word ever since I first heard it, which was about five years ago, but it really hasn't caught on. So, you know. Uh, yes, <clears throat> I heard it for the first time today. So there is that. 
Um, and uh, yeah, the newsletter will be great. And um, I wouldn't go that far. It will be great. Uh, the newsletter has a great team. Um, my, you know, I've I've recruited a great team by my standard um, method of rounding up all the people who normally help on the newsletter, and um, <laughs> it will have great art from Sue Mason, who is not coming to the convention, um, but is very good at art and has done us loads. And it will have great um, a great layout from Flick, who is not coming to the convention, but is very good at doing newsletter layouts. So. Confusion have started to um, drip feed things about the program to their smeeds. So they have announced a beer tasting and a cider tasting. And um, there's a panel about Chinese literature. And there's a show by Synthony, uh, which sounds cool. Sounds like a character from Steven Universe, uh, but still sounds cool. Uh, they've announced the Great Fanish Bake Off. Um, they've announced the Fan Fund Auction. Um, and they've announced the dark room uh, is going to be coming to EastCon virtually. So it's all very exciting. We're starting to hear things about the stuff that's going to happen. I've ordered my beer, um, which is from a brewery in the English town, Kerin. And which includes a beer called um, Crazy Days. Yes. Oh, and we should mention that Crazy Dave is the one who told us we should do the one minute long read in the Fan Fund auction. So thank you very much for the suggestion, Crazy Dave. And Crazy Day's beer was also the inspiration for the Happy Days title of the newsletter. Yeah, I'm a little bit sad there's so many cool things that as yet I I'm gonna have difficulty getting to because some of them sound really good, but then it's like I kind of calculate the time and it's like, oh that'd be one AM. Am I really gonna be awake enough to watch a program item at one AM? Because the answer is no. I know at least one person who is more out of time than you are who has switched their time zone this week so that they will be perky for all of Eastercon. That that's all well and good, but I, I have a job, so that is quite difficult. You poor sod. <laughs> I have a I have a job which involves going in and being physically present in places this week as well, which I know is a novelty to many people at the moment. But yeah, so it, it's very difficult. I mean, I'm not really intending to shift at all, just because trying to shift myself any significant distance just for a weekend and then back is a lot of work for me, and I'm not very good at shifting my sleeping cycle. Okay. You could take Tuesday off work though. Uh, I could, because actually Tuesday is a public holiday here, so... I, as well as the Octthorpe Live and the Fan Funds auction, I'm on two panels. One on bad technology, where I'm going to go along and tell the rest of the panel that their problem with bad technology is that they're not buying enough Apple products. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go to that panel, and I'm just going to hide, but it's going to be very funny. Oh, dear. I do have... I, I do actually have one spectacular story about um about terrible Apple products, which is going in my blog on on the thirty first of March. So so I might manage to find some time for that. And then the other panel I'm on is on um, ways to stay sane and focused in the apocalypse. It's actually about lockdown pastimes, which I think I have done a great many of, and due to not having a job that I need to go places for. And so I think I'm that should be a pretty good panel, and I'm looking forward to it. And I think John is on 106 items. Um, So, yes, I am on um, many program items. Uh, I did initially turn one down and then they were like, but you'll be good at it. And I was like, "Okay." Um, 
So I am on a panel called An Even Newer Hope, The Next Generation of Star Wars, which I found confusing because I thought Next Generation was a Star Trek show, uh, but clearly I'm wrong. I'm on Artificial Intelligence, Portrayals in SF Compared to the Real World, which I'm moderating and which features Liz Williams, Charlie Stross and Trisha Sullivan. Um, I'm oh, on good Oxford luck. Live. Um, I'm on D&D Through the Ages and What Lies Ahead. I'm on itch.io, crowdfunding, and the growth of indie games. I'm on Beyond the Big Names, favourite little RPGs. And I'm on accessibility in gaming, braille dice to controller remapping. Um, So, yeah, should be good. Mostly games, uh, the astute listener will have discerned. You're on everything, John. That's a lot. I'm good at talking about games, which I think is why I'm on so many games ones. How many, how many panels are you on in the end, John? Well, panels slash items. Seven. Yeah. No. no That's a lot. People who, are, people who are not professionally engaged in science fiction should probably not be on that much stuff. To be fair, I'm on, I'm on zero because I didn't volunteer to do any. So, uh... yeah. So uh, what I've put in here is that you can say at this point, I'll be in the bar. <laughs> I don't even know if there'll be a bar. It's in Gather. I mean, I presume there'll be a bar somewhere in Gather, but who knows? I will be somewhere probably trying to see if I can, um, you know, stretch the boundaries of Gather as far as they go. So I think um, on the subject of um, being on or not being on too many program items, I think um, the the problem is with Eastcons at the moment is that um, there are not enough people who can talk intelligently about games. Oh, yeah, no, that might be true. But seriously... You keep talking about this, about all the privilege. We should not be ending up in a position where white men who can talk about games end up being put on seven games panels. Or they should say, we need John for the games panels. We will not put him on the Star Wars panel. We will put somebody else, maybe a black woman or maybe just anyone else onto a games panel because we have too many white men on panels. Anyway. Um, but certainly, like, um, I'm on the AI panel because I'm moderating, uh, and I did turn that down originally. But I think part of the reason they've put me on that is basically because I can moderate and I am technical enough to be able to do a good job, but not knowledgeable enough to actually kind of have a big impact on the panel, which is kind of what you want from the moderator, I think. I am uh, quite looking forward to the uh, Fanish Bake Off, and I do have an idea which I will attempt to bring to fruition but I've only got four days to do it and I'm not sure I can actually buy all the things I need. But if I can do it, it'll be cool. And if I don't, we'll just pretend I never said it and I'll sit here eating like failed cupcakes in the privacy of my own house. I think the, the Bake Off is a very good thing where they've give, given us some a good, good example of something where they've given us a prior warning, but I kind of looked at it and went, oh, they have not given me enough prior warning that I would have liked a month for that please i'd have liked to have had a couple of weeks to really work up a good idea a week to source the ingredients and then a week to have two or three goes at it and and that's not a thing that's happening the person constructing the gather town environment for confusion is alex storer um people who have been to convention art shows will probably have seen alex's art um i know i've seen his work at novacon art shows in particular um but i assume he's also exhibited at previous world con uh world cons easter cons um and and they are um producing the gather town environment um the announcement on the confusion facebook seems to imply that there will be a musical component to the gather town environment um and i have a little rant 
So this dropped me into a flat spin, because if you know anything about science fiction conventions and science fiction fans, you will know that part of the negotiation with the hotel is getting the hotel to turn off incidental music everywhere in the hotel space that you can possibly get them to do that and that part of your negotiation with the tech team is to say to the tech team you must not play any incidental music or if you do you must play it very very quietly and they will ignore that um and in general there is a major problem with accessibility for in- incidental music because most fans hate it um so i'm I kind of went, I saw this announcement and I was like, surely they're not planning to put background music or indeed any sort of music into Gather because you might not want to add extra bells and whistles when people are already struggling with the computer load that Gather is putting on their computers. And you might not add want to add extra bells and whistles when people are clearly struggling with the cognitive load that Gather is putting on their brains. So I'm a bit worried about it. I'm probably just being paranoid. Yeah, I think it's hard to know until we get there. But from the little bit of playing about I did with Gathertown, which I will say has made me more positive about it, because once I had a little bit of messing around with it and, you know, drove my little avatar around and sat on chairs and had discussions, um, I feel it's a bit more promising. But I think it could be that, you know, they have certain aspects of the Gather, which are certain areas where you go and there is art and music and it's more like a sort of interesting insulation to look at. And then you come back to the bar, which has no incidental music, and you chat to people. And that would be totally fine, I think. Look at me being optimistic. It's an accessibility issue. 25% of people aged over 50 have hearing loss. If you have hearing loss, then having extraneous, unnecessary sounds in your environment makes everything worse. I I do not have hearing loss, but I I am basically the anti-Chris Garcia in that if I'm listening to... A particular audio source I want to listen only to that audio source and if you introduce another one then it confuses my brain so basically I just want to chat to people not have other music but I'm, I'm sure that like the music will turn off if you enter an actual conversation with people or it will be in certain areas I can't say how it would be there all the time because that's obviously just not going to work if you're trying to chat to people so yeah it's it's, it's an access issue they shouldn't do it if they do do it they should make it easy to turn off um I may be being totally paranoid and they have no plans for it at all and then I will look silly which is fine and I will be very happy there will not be incidental music in the newsletter room come hang out there I say this you're gonna have like a newsletter room full of people now Alice and you realize that it's tragic yeah this is this is one of those things where I don't mind incidental music but I do really mind people distracting me when I'm working on the newsletter okay so the newsletter room's going to have a private space for just the person who's actually tried to do the hard work yeah that actually is quite a good feature of gather is you can set up like the little kind of isolation booth in gather um so the person can literally be sitting in the newsletter doing the newsletter and people can pop in and talk to them but they can also have background conversations and it won't disturb the actual newsletter editor so that seems quite good on i've been running some gather practices and plays for my mates and they've been pretty good what we're finding i think is probably that about 80% of people play around for about five minutes and go, this is cool, and then get into a conversation with somebody and chat for a bit and go, oh, that, that works. Um, and then the other 10 or 20% find it a bit harder to get to grips with. And some of those people just hate it in the way that some people hate Zoom, some people hate Discord, some people hate everything. So there is there is no internet 
I mean, pro- some people probably ho- hate hotels while we're thinking about it. You know, there, there is nothing that is going to work for absolutely everyone. Gather's pretty solid. Yeah, there are hotels that I think are good Eastercon hotels that many people think are not great Eastercon hotels and quite often for the same reasons, I think. Like, I can, I like hotels where there's lots of little, like, nooks and crannies and corners where you can go and, and have chats and hang out. But for some people, those are the worst because then they don't feel as comfortable in places where, like, they can't get a, a, a feel for how the hotel is laid out and they don't know kind of what, what or who is around corners and, and things like that. So, yeah, you really can't have something that pleases everyone. And I think that's as true for internet things as it is for real world hotels. I think the difference here is that obviously the actual hotel is a thing you bid on usually two years in advance. But that's pandemics for you. Future Easter cons. So Eastercon in 2022 is being led by Phil Dyson and we don't have much information about it at the moment, but presumably they will be bidding at the bid session on, I'm assuming, Easter Sunday. I'm assuming that's because they've got a big launch planned um, and it's going to be amazing. Yes. Um, so I don't know, uh, as I say, not much has kind of leaked out of that bid. So we will be excitedly looking forward to what they say one of the things i am interested to see what they say is what they say about their plans for virtualization in the event that this time next year um there has been a new variant that does not um easily react to the vaccines and we are all still in lockdown uh, i am wondering um what their plans will be around that um and and if they don't have any i'll be voting against so if phil if you're listening you're a ray of sunshine, John. They may or may not have some, but they'll have an answer to that question because this is something I've talked to Phil about on numerous occasions over the years. But if I was answering that question now, I would say, that's a really good question. Obviously, we're planning for the possibility. What we're going to do is reflect on the experience of people this weekend and at other conventions and then put together a plan for a virtual convention based on the experience, those experiences. Because they can't, have a plan to say yeah we're going to use gather it's awesome or a plan to say we're not going to use gather it's pants you know <laughs> so i mean no fair enough fair enough i just want i i just want to know that they've thought about it i don't necessarily need to know what their thoughts were and then there is no bid for 2023 as far as we are aware and if you are aware of a bid for 2023 please do let us know we would be very interested to hear yeah we'll ask this again on sunday morning we will ask this again on Sunday morning. I, I'm much more relaxed than I'd normally be about there not being a bid for 2023 because I think this might be a very good year to plan for one-year bidding. It, um, I know that Phil has had some issues getting a hotel for 2022 because hotels are not in a good place to make these sorts of, to have these sorts of conversations at the moment. And it may be easier to just kind of wait and see and then design design a plan for 2023 based on what the world looks like in about six or eight months time yeah i mean in one year there have been many good one year east cons so i'm not too worried if that is um what ends up happening however is anything happening in 2024 john yes so farah mendelson and pat mcmurray are co-chairing a bid for east 2024 um so farah i think you meant we can exclusively announce <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> dun, 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 dun. Uh, yes, 
we can exclusively reveal that Farah Mendelssohn and Pat McMurray are bidding for 2024 to hold an EasterCon. Um, this is partly because the Easter in 2024 doesn't overlap with Passover, so Farah is very excited um, about that. Uh, and obviously that will also be a UK Worldcon year. Um, so they're kind of putting their stake in the ground now to kind of say, if you're not working on Worldcon, uh, why not come and work on the EasterCon? Um, the convention committee will be announced in more detail at confusion but suffice it to say that i am the head of communications for that bid um because i uh, got all excited and then i said yes a lot of times and um allison and liz promised to show me how to say no to things uh in the future we have a series of remedial training exercises planned <laughs> um but yeah, no, I'm excited. Um, uh, as listeners know, I have thoughts about Eastercon communications. Uh, and so this is kind of a, a an opportunity for me to um, put those put those thoughts and opinions into action. Um, so I will be overseeing social media and um, publications under my communications banner and um, trying to make sure there's a little bit more uh, joined up thinking between those two aspects of the convention than might have been traditional um in the past see i think you should actually be uh the deputy head of communications because i've always seen you as more of a sam seaborn type than a toby ziegler i think that was a reference it was a reference and some of our audience will get it it's a west wing reference right yes it was very flattering i said i called you rob Lowe. i mean that's quite a flattering one john you can leave that one in yeah thank you thank you thank you um that is literally the best thing you've ever said about me. <laughs> I got that reference too. Yay. What reference? <laughs> but yeah, no, so I'm excited. I mean, basically, um, to very quickly pre-see my opinions about communications, it is that um, very often um, publications are, is seen as the act of making PDF or printed artefacts to communicate information and then your website and social media team are communicating exactly the same information but with no um proper crossover with the publications uh that you're putting out and this is something that we were kind of beginning to struggle with a little bit at lunk on three even because the role of disseminating information was kind of split between publications and promotions and that was kind of not good for being able to take a unified approach to getting messages out uh, and so one of the things I wanted to do for a while is try and um, make those a little bit more joined up. And that is what I'm going to be doing for Eastcon in 2024. So if anyone's interested in being the head of social media, do let me know. I like doing social media for conventions. Um, it's it, There's basically 95% of the work happens in the last week before the convention. Social media for an EasterCon is two different jobs because there is a job that you do all the way along and then there's a kind of job you do in the last week before the convention and during the convention where you are re reacting to things that people are saying to you and about you. But before that, although people do say things on social media to you and about you, mostly your job is just to channel those to other people at the convention who need to know about them. And it's it's very it's very easy for an Easter concise convention. It's a very easy, relaxed work, job that takes about five minutes a day when you're on social media anyway. Um, but then the last the last month is kind of like a velociraptor. 
so so you need a big team and all of that stuff but that means that in terms of a head of social media you probably you just need a social media person and they might not be the same person that you have running that reactive team on the day because that's a management that's possibly true and i think um the the role of social media is twofold and i think you've you've kind of um outlined that well in that it is communicating in both directions communicating things from the eastercom to the membership and communicating things in the reverse direction but also um communicating and trying to reach out beyond um beyond the current membership to the rest of of social media who might be interested um so you've kind of got that almost like a third component and I think the reason I want to appoint someone sooner rather than later is because I'm also actually not great at social media. I understand I understand in a sort of academic sense how it works, but I'm not good at that kind of retweeting people on Twitter sort of engagement. Um, so I am keen to um, have someone on board who can address that um, it, sort of lack of expertise on the team. Other thing about social media is that you find that a lot of your job is answering queries of the form i have written in the approved manner to the approved part of the convention and i have heard nothing back what is going on and if your convention is is well formed and is running happily most of the time that won't happen at all and when it does happen all you need to do is kind of send little messages saying uh have you has something gone into spam have you just forgotten to go back to this person can you can you sort it out so that we aren't getting them whining on twitter and when conventions are not being very well run, you get a lot more of that sort of thing. So it's kind of, it, it, it's a very good early warning, warning. This is why the actual head of social media is probably ought to be on the committee because it's kind of a feelers for the chair about what bits of their convention structure aren't working properly because people are writing to them and not getting any replies. Yeah, so there's that too. So it's quite useful as a spy for the chair. Not that not that the chair needs spies but the chair totally needs spies it's almost like um for those people listening who have played a lot of warhammer Forty Thousand, the social media team is almost like the commissar of the convention octothorpe gaming corner um hog will get that joke and he will think it's funny and that is why it's in the podcast the podcast is basically a series of increasingly niche jokes aimed at a very small number of listeners yes it's almost like a fanzine it is almost like a fanzine I do want to talk about the Seder. I'm probably going to write about this for a fanzine, but Gillian Potlack said about a month ago, oh, I'm a bit sad because my Seder plans have fallen through. And those of us who remember Rec Arts SF Fandom, which was a Usenet group, um, Usenet was a thing that we used to have on the internet when the internet was a series of tubes, John. I was on Usenet. Were you? Yeah, I was, uh, I was on old fan Douglas Adams and old fan Star Wars Jar Jar Binks Die Die Die. Yeah, okay. I guess he's fine. Um, so Rec Arts SF Fandom was kind of like an alt group that accidentally fell into the rec groups for reasons that are complicated. And um, and they used to talk about Jewish minutiae a lot. And I always vaguely wanted to go to a Passover Seder, but I never really had the opportunity. And Gillian said, oh, I don't, all my plans for the Seder have fallen through. So we said, well, can we do it on, online? And I just wanted to mention it because one of the things that has been helping me stay sane this year is spotting opportunities for things that you could never possibly do in 
other years, like have a Zoom Seder on multiple different continents with people coming together um, from all sorts of different Jewish traditions and also no Jewish traditions whatsoever. And, um, well, breaking breaking bread together. And it was very interesting and good fun. And it also gave me the rare opportunity to drink four glasses of wine before noon, which is not something that I normally do because we were on Canberra time um, experiencing an Australian seder, which involved singing one extremely important Jewish religious blessing to the tune of Waltzing Matilda, which was amusing, and another much less serious Jewish song to the tune of um, Clementine, which, which was much more the normal sort of thing. And um, it was fun and we had lots of good people and it was mostly fanish, but not entirely fanish. And um, yeah, and it seemed like exactly what fandom ought to do. And I was not the only person who was primarily there because we remember all the talks about Judaism in Rekart's SF fandom 25 years ago or more. That's all I really want to say about it. I thought that was short enough, really. Yeah. Hmm. And also weird, weird food things, very weird food things, like a lamb bone. Yes. Yeah. Um, and chopped liver. And chopped liver, which is delicious. Um, I, I'm kind of like chopped liver has a terrible reputation, but it's in fact, it's like very nice pate that you've made yourself from fresh liver and it's delicious. Do you like pate? Pate is great. So is it better or worse than terrine? Do you mean tarine? <laughs> it's kind of a terrine because it's, it's, it's quite a coarse pate. Okay, cool. I think you mean pate. Um, <clears throat> pate. Yeah, I got in trouble for considering terrine to be a solid and trying to take it on an aeroplane. And then we had to have a debate about whether my terrine was in fact solid or a liquid. Oh, God. Over the liquid limit. And it hadn't occurred to me that actually it might be, you know, fine enough to be non-liquid. And I didn't really want to open it and have to like pull it out to demonstrate it was quite solid. But I, uh, we ended up agreeing that it was, in fact, quite a you know coarse terrine and I could be allowed to take it back on the plane with me. I have never concealed explosives in pate, but one of the other things that you do for the Seder is a roasted egg and Shader's egg exploded. So, so there's that. The roasted egg sounded absolutely gross. It is absolutely horrible, and although in some traditions it's eaten as part of the service, in Gillian's tradition, it just sits on the table like the bone and um, and is just ritual. And and then she does eat at the very start of the of the feast part of the seder. She eats hard boiled eggs dipped in salt water, but they're not the hard boiled eggs that was roasted it's a, it's different hard-boiled egg which and, and hard-boiled egg dipped in salt water is delicious as is cold boiled potato dipped in salt water i had no idea both of those things are very tasty <clears throat> i'm a bit jealous but you did do it at six in the morning uk time and i did not get up i was in bed so so lillian edwards is um is Jewish by heritage, I think not by practice generally. And I did think, ooh, I should tell Lillian about the Seder because she might not know about it. Um, and then I thought, oh, Lillian, 6.30 in the morning. <laughs> That's not ever going to happen, is it? So, and indeed it didn't. On the subject of getting up early, what are your plans for Eastcon breakfast? This is an important issue. I mean, are you asking me? Both of you. Like, like Eastcon breakfast. I would love to have breakfast with you. Um, I don't know whether there'll be... <laughs> breakfast program items because a lot of conventions have had 
sort of general communal breakfasty things and it's been very good it's kind of sets you up for the day and makes you think oh yes i'm having breakfast yeah yeah i'm up for breakfast i mean it will be mid-afternoon for me so i probably won't actually eat breakfast but i can have you know an extra coffee hey coffee's good um yes we have um tim's bistro has reopened so that's good but our favorite cafe will still be shut at easter so um there's no there's nowhere we know that we like that's open on the sunday so on the sunday we might have to forage for ourselves which is you know clearly a travesty i've been going through the my diary for the weekend and thinking about what I normally do at the EasterCon um, and how I'm going to replicate that because I would not normally do any cooking over Easter weekend and I'm not intending to do any cooking next weekend. But I realised that one of the things that happens at EasterCon is at about one in the morning I am often found in the bar and along with beer, which we have sought, I there are often people there and I'm thinking of Michael Abbott and Malcolm Hutchison who sidle up to you at one o'clock in the morning and bar and say would you like some chocolate so i am going to order the sort of chocolate that that michael might have which is kind of the kind of dairy milk with bits in it type and the sort of chocolate that malcolm might have which is single varietal dark chocolate with peruvian raspberries that sort of thing and and have both of those sorts of chocolate available so that if i meet those people in the bar or or think oh i would really like a bit of chocolate now i can go and get it and and also i realized that about an hour later like about two or two thirty is about the right time that tobes comes around snogging people and um i don't know what i'm supposed to do about that tobes is lovely and he's a good kisser but like uh but yeah um I, i'm trying to work out ways in which you could replicate that experience in the comfort of your own home uh i don't have any good ones uh yeah buy some calvados that'll work so maybe i need some calvados actually because he does also and pistachio nuts pistachio nuts the most romantic breakfast i've ever had was the morning at eastercon in 2008 where i woke up and tobe looked at me and said we've missed breakfast and then gave me a coffee spiked with calvados and four pistachio nuts and there were only seven pistachio nuts so that was more than half of his pistachio nuts and also, I had been to breakfast and then gone back to sleep. With Tobes, apparently. Yes. Well, I used to share a room with Tobes because we're good mates. Um, now I share a room with my wife because we're also good mates. Yeah, but has she ever brought you coffee spiked with Calvados and four pistachio nuts? That's what I want to know. No, no, she hasn't. Uh, but she did make me pancakes with chocolate chips in this morning. Banya, if you're listening to this... <laughs> Are we sure we want to blur the lines between Tobes and Espania in John's head? I mean, what do you mean? I don't understand. <laughs> um, made out with both of them, had breakfast with both of them. It's basically the same person, Liz. Not going there. Not going there. Was there anything else we were going to say in the podcast? I'm really looking forward to EasterCon. I am so excited for EasterCon. I am going to have such a good time at EasterCon. I am going to get so pissed at EasterCon. Oh, I'm going to be wankered. That's pissed in the UK sense of drinking too much beer, not pissed in the US sense of... Um, angry. Of angry, um, because I've given up anger, as you know, readers. Um, I am I'm really excited. I'm, I'm hoping there'll be loads and loads of cool people there and, and f- lots of fun interactions will happen. 
and we've also we should mention as well that there is a first thursday pub meeting the night before eastcon um so we don't know whether eastcon is going to have anything on the thursday night kind of officially um because obviously that's tonight pop pickers yes so if you are listening to this before 10 p.m british time which is utc plus one at the moment then do come to the first thursday uh and you can get to the facebook group through a link in the show notes yeah you can um it's still for british fans and london london and yeah the sort of people who might be at the first thursday the week before an easter con maybe yes it's very much a meeting for the sort of people who might come to the london meeting on the first thursday which is probably most of you if you were in London the night before the Eastercon and the Eastercon was also in London, for example. Yes, if you're if you're coming to Eastercon, then definitely feel free to drop in uh, to the first Thursday. And if you're not coming to Eastercon, but that's because you're grumpy rather than because you don't go to Eastercons, uh, then also uh, come and join the first Thursday. Or if you'd quite like a drink or if you like Thursdays, you know, I'm very bad at being exclusive. Yeah, so this is another thing about age has withered me <laughs> there is an issue that Minneapolis, the minicon had where they woke up one morning and they had three and a half thousand people coming to their convention and they were like but we're all volunteers who are we organizing this for and of course we are in fact and, and it's all very well for me to go i am very happy for all my mates and all the listeners of my podcast to come to the first thursday which, as it happens, I organise. But in fact, I think because we drew that demarcation line around it that said it's for fans who might come to the first... Th- London fans, if you're, in, if you're in or near London, it's definitely for you. Um, and fans who come to the first Thursday, who include some fans from further afield, like, you know, Cambridge and Reading and Brighton, and fans who would definitely come to the first Thursday if they were around. But it's not, in fact, a meeting for every fan in the world because of the long-term accretion overheads of of that that's i know that's really tedious but that's kind of and i wanted to draw a box around it that wasn't just it's for me and my mates i wanted to draw a box around it that was that included a lot of my mates but was also actually saying no this is a geographically um constructed thing you know if you if you don't have any friends who are london fans but you obviously do have friends who are london fans if you're listening to this podcast but you know because we're your friends but if if it if it got huge, it would be less fun than it is just not being huge. That that's all. That was the Octothorpe podcast, and it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from me. So I came up with a poem. You came with a poem? Yeah. All right, you're gonna, you can do the poem for us. Hang on. I'm going to read the poem. I, I, I might need to write it down before I read it out in case it doesn't scan. <laughs> oh, John, has, John has written a poem live on Octothorpe. I have my poem. <clears throat> Liz has a job. She can't come to the con. It makes her sob. The time zones are wrong. Oh no, we need like violin, sad violin music there. A poem. No, I think we need that wah 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 noise. That, that was the one. But in fact, what I think we need is dee 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 dee.
now we know that Alison can just hum the theme music instead of having to put an an actual song in. Uh, expect all future episodes of Octothorpe to have entirely Alison produced sounds. Do not do this. <laughs> the theme music for this episode was Fanfare for Space by Kevin MacLeod at Incompetech.com, used under a Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license. This podcast will end at the beep. Beep.